You are listening to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, it's been quite a week in Westminster, uh, disrupted on this podcast by my uh, trip to Wembley Stadium with my wife to watch England versus the US. But we thought we'd delay um, this week's episode of the uh, Polling Matters podcast so we could wait for some numbers to come in following Theresa May's um, sort of announcement of her deal or of the withdrawal agreement with the European Union. There's been some numbers that have come out and we're trying to make sense of them. It's a rapidly evolving um, situation uh, as at the time of publishing, um, there is some speculation that the Prime Minister might um, face a vote of no confidence in the, uh, among her Tory MPs, although at the time of publishing, that threshold of 48 letters that are required for her to meet such a challenge has not yet been met. But this is on Sunday afternoon. It may very well be met in the coming days. And the purpose of this podcast then is less to be um, focusing too much on that, although we will talk about it, um, but it's actually to focus uh, on some of the numbers around this idea of support for her deal um, your support for no deal, which is one of the things that we keep hearing about, and um, other topics that uh, with the numbers that have been released. And to go through all of those numbers, I'm joined by a friend of the show uh, and fellow pollster, Matt Singh. Matt, welcome to Polling Matters. Thank you, Kieran. Good to be back. So, so before we get into all the numbers, Matt, I mean, what have you made of it all? It's been something of a, I mean, we we live for these moments, don't we? A sort of dramatic few days, but it's, it's quite hard to make sense of the wood from the trees a bit. Yes, it has been dramatic. And obviously, with any sort of goings on in Westminster, it does. You do have to stop and ask yourself, how much attention are the public going to be paying to this? I suspect this is the sort of thing that is going to catch more of the public attention than than a lot of what goes on, given how extensively it's been covered in the news. Um, so it does really um, call for us to take a close look at the numbers, but also Bear in mind that even if, and we'll, we'll get into the details of the polls uh, in a bit, I, I, I'm sure, but the, in terms of the timing of these polls, certainly some of them were slightly before the uh, publication of this withdrawal agreement, others were slightly after, but obviously news takes it, uh, it's, it's time to filter through. So um, obviously that caveat applies to, to everything we're going to be talking about, but uh, yes, it does seem obviously this is a, a pretty significant event. So yeah, before we before we get into the numbers in in detail, it seems to me that there are two two key dynamics going on here. One is about Theresa May's future as Tory leader and therefore as Prime Minister, and uh, whether or not there'll be these forty eight letters and how a vote of no confidence might um, might play out. And then the other is the the deal itself and whether that gets through Parliament. And I guess they're two interrelated things, and um, of course, you know, related to one another, but they're obviously different in terms of how we. Um, how we calculate what happens next. What, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, as you say, they are interrelated. So obviously, whether um, what happens in the event of a, a no deal or, or of this deal being voted down may well affect whether Theresa May survives. But at the same time, whether or not she survives may well have an influence on what happens subsequent to uh, this deal being rejected by Parliament. Now, obviously, the, the, the background to that is that uh, Labour are uh, pretty much all, uh, all of their MPs are opposing this or saying that they're going to oppose this. But they're also saying that they're not going to 
uh, allow there to be a no deal situation. So obviously that uh, is something that, that, that plays into it as well. Um, and so, yes, there is this sort of interrelation between the two, which makes it very, very difficult to sort of game exactly what's going to happen here. So let's go through, let's go through some of the numbers. So um, there's been a, a bit, a bit of polling out in the past few days. We've seen some numbers from YouGov. Um, I think we've seen some numbers from Opinium, Sky Data, some numbers from Comres as well. And these are numbers that to varying degrees have been published, at least in part, since the um, the deal was announced. So, I mean, this is what we've got to go on, I suppose, unless I've missed somebody out uh, at the moment. I mean, what's the, what are the numbers saying about support for the deal? Let's talk about the deal uh, first of all. I mean, I suppose many people have criticised polling on this because, um, you know, the public haven't obviously read it. But at the same time, I'm not sure that necessarily matters. I mean, they're obviously not going to. They're going to take their cues from various people that they might support or what other people are saying about it in the media. Um, looking at the polling, it doesn't look great for the prime minister, at least on face value. No, it doesn't. And in terms of whether people have read it, I suspect the overwhelming majority of people have not. But by the same token, people will not have read the Lisbon Treaty and people will not have read party manifestos before a general election. Um, and they, But they still... Uh, vote or form an opinion anyway. So uh, yes, it's that's probably true. But I, and they are reflecting the cues from whether it's the media or from politicians that they particularly trust or uh, from whatever. Um, people do have a view on it, and as you say, the view is not terribly positive in general. It's been a as in a, a very rough sense, it's generally been about two to one uh, against. Um, the deal or towards the negative side on the deal there there have been a variety of question formats for this and one theme across most of them has been that there's been a very large number of people either undecided or where it's been given as an option saying that they're on the fence so it is quite a a sort of mixed bag of question types and methods but they all show roughly the same picture which is uh, r a pretty strong opposition, certainly among those who are an expressing an opinion. Yeah, and I think I was looking at so looking at some YouGov numbers just to put some numbers to that. Um, so when when um, when the question wording goes as follows: A draft deal on the terms of Brexit have been agreed between the government and the EU. Uh, from what you have seen or heard about the deal, do you support or oppose um, the draft Brexit deal? Total support fifteen percent. Total opposed fifty one. 33% don't know. I mean, maybe we'll come back to don't knows because, um, you know, Theresa May's outselling her deal and, you know, maybe that will change. Who knows? Then there's a second question with YouGov, which says, basically outlines the main points of the deal. It's quite long-winded, so I won't read it all out, but it goes through the key bullets of what the deal is. It doesn't really change very much. Um, the question says, do you think the deal is good or bad for Britain? Good for Britain, 19%. Not good for Britain, 50 Don't know, 31 so she's starting from a very low base. But then there is another question, which I think is interesting and one to keep an eye out for, which is um, thinking about the Brexit deal, which of these best reflects your view? And this is a bit more nuanced. So this is a good deal for Britain, and it could have been a lot worse, 10%, so not great there. This is not a very good deal for Britain, but it's probably the best that anyone could have got, 28%. So if you had those two, that's 38%. Yep. And then this is not a good deal for Britain, and if we had been better at negotiating, we could have got a better deal 37 so it's almost there's um and then none of these is nine don't know is 17 so again a good chunk of don't knows but when you put when you frame it in the sense of well could we have got anything better things start to change a little bit and i think my opinion is this is quite important for polling not necessarily 
again, it's not necessarily going to help Theresa May so much, but trying to get an accurate review of public opinion, it's more nuanced than just yes, no, isn't it? Yes, it is. And when there's been, uh, I think there were some other questions in, um, there's been so many of these polls, I lose track of which, <laughs> which is which. But uh, yeah, I mean, in general, where there was, uh, where it's been asked um, in, in this sort of way, where, the, where there's, uh, you know, could, could someone have got better? Or I think one of them was asking, uh, do you think any of these politicians would be, uh, have done better? And that, that list is several possible uh, people have been talked about as uh, conservative leaders and Jeremy Corbyn and in each case uh, May does better than the alternatives so um, it seems as though there's a pretty strong consensus about uh, at least among those expressing an opinion that uh, they're not happy with this deal but when you start to then talk about the alternatives then it it becomes less than clear that they think that anyone else would have or perhaps could have uh, done something better. I mean, when I when I look at some of these numbers um, and, and the way that they're presented, either, whether it's a second referendum question or support for this for May's deal, it's quite common for people to remove don't knows um, and, yeah. just, and just, just rebase it to the 100%. I'm not sure if I'm a huge fan of that for questions like this. I, I mean, for the benefit of listeners, when you have voting intention questions, like who, who are you going to vote for at the next election? Um, how would you vote? Remain versus leave? That sort of thing. Don't knows tend to be removed. And that's a pretty standard approach to voting intention polls. I'm not sure I think it's appropriate for um, questions about do you support or oppose a particular deal or policy or that sort of thing because that uncertainty that level of don't knows is actually quite important because i don't know like the yes no on whether you support Theresa may's deal that's not a referendum question we're trying to get public sentiment here aren't we and if those don't knows reduce over time maybe it looks like a different picture yeah absolutely and the uh, yeah i mean the thing is that obviously is, is is at least theoretically possible that that may be a referendum question at some point i'm sure we, yeah, we can talk fair. about that as yeah. well but have, even if it were if there were a, um, a referendum on that the fact that they were 44 percent don't know is something that's actually or whatever the percentage was is a very high percentage certainly uh is uh something that's very relevant so i i i, I agree that uh turning a a plurality into a into a majority by rebasing without the don't knows in a in a situation where there are so many of them and where there's certainly a, an information gap as it were and 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 there's no a lot of people if you're asking voting attention for a, for an election certainly there's always people will always have the default option of a party they normally vote for and even in the case of uh, the referendum which you know hadn't been asked for 40 years but most people would still have had a, a view but something like this is um i i think excluding the donors i think i'm i'm, I'm with you on that it's not uh, something that i would um would want to do certainly not in a in a headline but uh, obviously obviously uh, others see it differently to us yeah yeah i mean i think that yeah 33 percent don't know in the initial headline you got question or whether you um support or oppose um, the deal. It should be said as well, of the 51% that oppose the deal, 30% oppose it strongly, 21% oppose it, uh, tend to oppose it. So, yeah, there's some real strong, there's some real vociferous and strong feeling against this deal, which I think people will have seen 
uh, on the airwaves and in the news in, in the past few days. But I'm looking through some of these YouGov numbers, Matt. It doesn't get any better for the Prime Minister, really. Um, would you be personally uh, happy or unhappy if the draft Brexit deal ended up going ahead? Um, total happy, 21. Total unhappy, uh, 55. Um, you, there's, a, there's a raft of questions like this. I won't repeat them all. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look great for the Prime Minister. And it seems like um, you know, particularly strong um, opposition among conservative voters. Um, one of the other questions I thought was interesting in this was around trade-offs, if you had to choose between certain outcomes. Now, YouGov had a series of trade-off questions where they asked about, um, well, if you were forced to choose, would you choose um, Britain accepting the draft deal and leaving the EU, or Britain leaving the EU without a deal? It was 60-40 in favour of the draft deal. So maybe better numbers for May there, if, if, that's the, if that is the choice. Um, because that's how she's trying to frame it. However, 64% of Leave voters um, actually would prefer to leave without a deal. Um, if there was a choice between Britain accepting the deal and uh, having a new referendum on whether or not to leave the EU, actually uh, 56% would have a new referendum, 44% would um, would accept the deal. Um, leave voters obviously don't want that. And then finally, the final trade-off question, uh, leaving the EU without a deal versus having another referendum, 54% uh, in favour of another referendum, 46% um, you know, leaving without uh, any deal. So again, these are these are questions where there's been a forced choice. And this is why I brought up the don't knows earlier. Um, I think it's important to bear in mind that there's a good chunk of people won't necessarily have an opinion on this. But leave voters again, strongly in favour of no deal. Um, I put all those numbers to you, Matt. But I mean, what do you make of the the trade-offs here and the prospect and, and the polling around a no deal Brexit? Because I feel like it's everyone's going to start talking more and more about no deal as the clock ticks down and the Prime Minister... Uh, sort of positions her deal in those terms. It looks like if they were forced to, people would accept her deal over a, a no deal. Um, but then there's a lot of people that don't like that choice. And actually, a lot of people on the leave side are more inclined to to choose the latter and choose that no deal. So it's a, it's a complicated picture. But um, you know, what, what do you make of some of that? Uh, I, th I think I, uh, I agree with all of your points on that. I think the, uh, the a lot of the complication stems from the fact that there are essentially three uh, main options. If you... you don't seriously think that there's going to be any meaningful change from the EU, maybe a few tweaks around the political declaration, but no substantive change, um, then essentially it's deal, no deal, or or remain. Um, and the, so, the, so first of all, the fact that you've got three potential um, avenues, the that they create, they're the source of a lot of the, uh, what you call complication. And then that's also the, the, the root of the, the difficulties that Theresa May and um, the part of the Conservative Party that's loyal to her have, have found themselves in at the moment because this deal is essentially the compromise. Uh, you can debate whether it's a good or a bad compromise, but it is in essence a compromise between the people who want to, want to remain or a very soft Brexit or, on the other hand, the... The, the hard sort of uh, no deal Brexit. So it's kind of um, something between the two. Some have called it the worst of all worlds. Some people will say it's a good compromise. Uh, I'll leave that to others to debate. But the, the, the root of uh, the, the, the problems that the Prime Minister is facing at the moment is that she's basically getting it from both sides mm. in the sense that the harder Brexiteers are essentially saying um, this deal is not acceptable. And at the same time, Labour is saying, uh, and particularly the uh, the people in Labour and elsewhere who want to put it to the people again are saying this isn't okay 
you know it's 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 better to to stay in so um the fact that you've got this sort of three-way trade-off and then uh, and of course the other the the other uh, one other interesting with the numbers was uh, i'm not sure exactly the same as the um I think it was Justin Greening who came up with it originally, the idea of this three-way uh, preferendum. But Sky Data did ask something roughly along the lines about deal versus no deal uh, versus remain. And that actually came out with a majority for remain. So there, there's an awful lot of moving parts in here, which, uh, as I say, does make it very hard for us to, for anyone to game what's going to happen. But it's also a little bit hard to gauge exactly where the public is because as with so many things to do with brexit it's very very sensitive to how you frame the question um and even what question you're actually asking because this uh i mean these numbers just given it's three separate questions and you put them together and you think okay maybe uh, overall it's still um public pretty evenly split on the, the concept of Brexit itself, but in terms of what actually happens, it's um, it's it's it does. There's an awful lot of nuance below the below the surface. I want yeah, I want to draw, draw a line under these and move on to uh, sort of voting intention and what happens with May's future. But I mean, just to finish this segment off, um, there was a question that Hugo asked about what should happen now, and and the, the, confu- <laughs> the confusion here and the, the division uh, was was amazing to see. But it's worth listeners bearing this in mind. So 16% chose Britain should accept the deal and go ahead with the Brexit on these terms. Um, 11% said they should reject the deal and seek to negotiate a different deal. Um, so that's 11% said that. So 16 and 11. 19% chose Britain should reject the deal and leave without any deal. 8% said there should be a referendum on whether or not to accept the draft Brexit deal. And 28% said Britain should stop Brexit and remain in the EU after all. 2% something else. 16% don't know. So a plurality there for remaining. But I guess just without diving into the rights and wrongs and reopening a lot of those discussions, it just shows you that underlying the should there be another referendum or not, should we remain or leave in binary uh, sort of binary choices, there's actually a lot of nuance in public opinion. And I suppose if I was advising politicians on this at the moment, I would just say to some extent it's about showing leadership and trying to trying to frame the question in the way that you want it to be framed in. And if you can win that argument, then maybe you'll get your desired outcome because. I mean, there's no real consensus among public opinion on where to go. And just final point on that, when you split that by Conservative and Labour voters, 45% of Labour voters, so a pretty strong plurality, uh, say Britain should stop Brexit and remain in the EU after all. Um, for example, the next one down after that is 13%. So it goes from 45 to 13, saying there should be another referendum uh, or we should uh, leave without a deal. On the Tory side, it's slightly more complicated. Um, a plurality say Britain should reject the draft deal and leave with no deal, 33%. But then 26% of Tory voters say uh, Britain should accept the draft deal and go ahead with Brexit on these terms. So Tory is much more divided. Labour, um, I mean, there's a plethora of opinions, but it tends to be um, focusing around Remain after all when you really break it down. Anyway, Matt, let's look at the long-term political implications of this. There's been some voting intention polls out in the last couple of days, and it doesn't look great for the Tories. I mean, what have you made of some of that? Well, I think that the... First thing to say on these is that even though they were published later, so they came out uh, Saturday night for the Sunday paper, so today's paper of the day, we're recording this, uh, but they were actually done slightly earlier. So they were, I believe both uh, comrades and opinion were conducted from the 14th to the 15th. So the draft of the deal would have come out on the evening of the 14th. So if you, if you assume that the fieldwork was done 
relatively evenly over those two days, and I don't think either pollster said anything to the contrary, then you would say that at least a fair chunk of it is done, would have been done before the, the deals happened. Um, so what are they shown? So there's a three-point labor lead and a four-point labor lead. Um, and in both cases, uh, a switch, in an opinion's case, quite a big uh, switch with the, the Tory vote going down five points compared to their previous poll. Um, so on a face value, certainly not good for the Conservatives and particularly the, the um, with it having been done partly before these deals and particularly before um, the resignation um, started happening and, and, and any um, effect from that, which you would assume would be negative, you might think that the, the, the full effect of it hasn't been felt. However, we also have to think back to uh, many previous occasions of which Chequers is the most obvious one, that the initial impact might be quite uh, substantial, partly because you may think that people who have a strong view on this either way, and obviously you can see from the the, the results that uh, the, the the strength of opinion is is towards the negative side. So those people, you may get this sort of response bias in the, the very short term where people that have a strong view are more likely to reply and you, you have to wait a little while for that to wash out. And also, of course, there, there may well be a, a genuine shift in, um, in public opinion, which may, uh, you know, it's possible perhaps it, it, it fades slightly as the, the anger dies down, or indeed it might uh, increase as more and more people read it and, 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 and perhaps... Um, come to the same conclusion as, as as those that have already expressed a view. So we we, we always have to be a little bit careful about uh, polling, even on something as standardised as voting intention in the the short term uh, after this. But certainly it doesn't look good for um, the Conservatives. Um, with Theresa May's numbers, I pretty uh, opinions approval rating showed her dropping uh, by, I think, three points net, although they also showed Jeremy Corbyn dropping by about the same amount, interestingly. Um, so it's, I mean, obviously she, she, she has a, a problems, but it doesn't seem as though her personal numbers have, have shifted um, as dramatically as perhaps you might have thought given some of the news flow. So, yes, bad numbers for the Conservatives, perhaps... It will be necessary to to wait and see where exactly it shakes out. The other thing, of course, is that you then get into this situation that you had a couple of years ago with Labour, where there was a so-called coup against Jeremy Corbyn, and there was then this debate in Labour when Labour started polling badly, and you started seeing big leads opening up for the Tories. Uh, was it the uh, the leader and the, the situation, or in this case, uh, the deal, or was it the fact that there was disunity and an attempted uh, an attempt to oust the leader that um, is causing the public to, to to take exception to the party as a whole. Um, my gut is that in 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 all of these cases, it's usually uh, a bit of both. Um, but it's that's something that's very hard to answer. But uh, yes, the short version is this is uh, these numbers do not look good for the Conservatives. Um, but watch this space. Yeah, I think definitely would urge caution about over-interpreting the first couple of polls that come out because we know post-checkers things went back to normal. But it does for me show 
at the very least, that you've got these two giant electoral coalitions, uh, the Labour the Labour side and the Conservative side, around the 40-odd percent mark. And within those coalitions are varying opinions on Brexit. And both sides are trying to, um, you know, keep those coalitions together. And I think without, you know, you see that in Jeremy Corbyn and Labour's position on Brexit. They're, they're obviously trying to keep everybody happy. There's a lot of frustration at their policy, on, particularly on the pro-Remain side, or the particularly passionately pro-Remain side. But you can see how at the moment... Uh, the attention's not on them, and they seem to be holding around 40%. Whereas the Tories have dropped down, UKIP with opinion are up to eight, and there isn't really a huge UKIP opinion, uh, UKIP uh, presence uh, around. Um, so it does show that the, the Tory voting coalition is at least vulnerable uh, to perceptions of Brexit not being done properly. Um, but whether that's permanent is a real, you know, is a very, very difficult um uh, difficult thing to say. I, I guess, like you say, we'll have to um, we'll have to watch this space and see what happens. I think on Theresa May, uh, there was an interesting finding in the YouGov numbers, which said about whether she should remain as Tory leader and Prime Minister or stand down and let somebody else take over. At face value, or at least initial reactions, thirty three percent said she should stay on. Forty seven percent thought she should. Um, she should stand aside. So not great numbers uh, for the Prime Minister. Tory voters split 46-43 on that question. But what really struck me was there was a follow-on question that said, if Parliament votes to reject the deal and the government's negotiated, do you think Theresa May should or should not resign as Prime Minister? Should resign 52%, uh, should not uh, should remain as Prime Minister if the deal is rejected 28%, don't know 20 And then in, and with Tory voters, it's 48-40 in favour of resigning. So when we're looking at these letters going in at the moment, Matt, it feels to me like maybe the, the ERG have moved too quickly here because um, if the Prime Minister loses the vote in Parliament there might be a lot of pressure on her to go down uh, to resign even if though that 48 threshold isn't met in the next couple of days so I've been mean, high stakes and as we know the maths in Parliament I mean forget public opinion for a second the maths in Parliament is not great for her so you know she's she's persistent and she keeps fighting but a really difficult month or so ahead right? Yeah, absolutely. And and certainly if um, on, on the deal itself, certainly if Labour's position continues to hold as strongly as it has, uh, obviously, if, if it became the, the perception that uh, voting this deal down would automatically mean no deal, then that could change a lot. Although that doesn't seem to be the, uh, the perception, certainly on the Labour side at the moment. Um, so, it, I mean, essentially, it's the part of the Tory party that is loyal to May, which is uh, it's, it's a majority of the uh, parliamentary Tory party, most likely, but it's certainly not a majority of all MPs. Um, and, and, and bear in mind, given the DUP's position on this, which, uh, uh, if anything, I've been a little bit surprised over the last couple of days. We've not heard quite so much from them. Uh, I'm True, not yeah. sure what to make of that, to be, to be quite honest. I'm sure um, someone will have a view on that. But um, yeah, as you say, the maths doesn't look good at the moment so um, it's a it's a question of waiting and see uh, waiting and seeing what uh, what actually comes of this yeah I think I, I think both of us feel a bit sort of shell-shocked after the last few years of all these surprise results happening and uh, you know not wanting to jump to conclusions and particularly in this Twitter 24-hour news cycle that we live in you know it's very easy for people to make snap judgments about what's going to happen I mean, the numbers are uh, the numbers are out there on public opinion. We've gone through them now. Um, there's a lot of nuance there, and I guess it's um, you know there, there are opportunities for Theresa May to frame it, frame everything as uh, her deal versus no deal. Um, the public clearly would prefer her deal to no deal, but there's an awful lot of passionate opinion on all all different sides of this debate. So we just have to wait and see how that how that shakes out. So she's still in there. She's still fighting. Um, 
But, uh, you know, wh- wh- where we'll be a few days from now, let alone a few weeks, is anybody's guess. Well, let's leave it there, Matt, for this emergency uh, podcast uh, for Polling Matters. Uh, thanks to listeners, once as ever, uh, for listening to us. And thanks to Matt for joining us. Um, if you like what you hear, please do share us on social media. Uh, and we'll have more episodes uh, in the uh, coming uh, weeks uh, about this, I'm sure. Uh, and like I say, there might be the odd emergency podcast Um on a regular basis in the next few weeks as we uh, see what happens to Theresa May and her Brexit deal. But for now, thanks for listening.